This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, January 29th, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron String, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. Cha-ching! <laughs> What's that for? That's the GameStop uh, intro. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Although, Derek, by the time this comes out in 48 hours, it'll probably, probably be a zero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Stock market. Uh, before we get going, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, Johnny Swim is coming up later, one of our favorite music duos. Some big news with them. Uh, we're going to talk to them about their new show. They have two new shows coming out. Wow. Um, and we'll tell you all about it. We're talking to them later. Uh, we also have relevant news, relevant recommends, and, and our, our new segment, What's Jesse Thinking? But before we get going, I have a question. Theater of the Mind, I'm looking at this very good-looking cast, but one of the cast members is a little bit more good-looking than normal. Miss mm. Jamie mm. Ivey mm. has brought it today. <laughs> just, uh, just Clark, we got to do, do a video clip of this because the public <laughs> needs to see that, Jess, that Jamie is just like... She's ready for prime time right Listen, now. Jamie guys. said she ain't hurting. Oh, she did a snap like. <laughs> normally, <laughs> let's just be honest. We're all Zoom. I've got normally like a beanie on, you know, but I was we telling you guys. We're not going to put you on blast like a, that. I have a live interview after this, so I had to put some makeup on and fix my hair today. So it's a Wednesday and girl got some makeup on. Mm. Well, J- Jamie, I, I, I really appreciate it because anytime I see someone who put effort into their appearance, it's it's just refreshing in life these days, you know. Like, oh, this it, it's, this seems kind of normal. Jamie is wearing something that, like Jamie. You could, I, if I saw you at like an upscale, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of restaurant or you know, a sort of like that. That you look like you could fit right in at like a Friday night happy hour crowd as well. Like it's Listen. very refreshing because that's not a look you see out in the wild very much these days. Not anymore. Not in and the Zoom world. I will say this straight from work. I'm having dinner with. A friend so you know i just had to go- plan my day according to i'm not going to stay home in my pajamas all day so well look okay. i wear a black hoodie every day so that's what it is yeah mm-hmm. well i i i actually changed you guys are looking at me and probably thinking oh gosh what did you look like before zoom started because <laughs> i actually changed for this podcast into a different sweatshirt because the one i had on it's a fine sweatshirt but it's like it's it's a sweatshirt that just it gives off the vibe of either you've got a like a bad cold and you're just kind of kicking around for a couple days or you're doing like an 80s workout where the, the you know for some reason you wear like cotton sweats and a cotton sweat sh- uh, uh, sweatshirt and you just throw like a medicine ball against the wall for a while <laughs> or like you jump on the shoulders of your fellow strongman and ride around on a bike on hello <laughs> like it's one of those sweatshirt vibes. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to ditch that one and go for one slightly more presentable. But, you know, I feel like we're just all crawling out of this hole. Like, even though, yeah. even though, y- you know, there's been trouble with the vaccine rollout and, y- y- you know, who knows when we'll totally be on the other side. I feel like we're, we're, 
I feel like we we are using our nails, and we're like Batman in the the final Dark Knight movie, and we're in that giant <laughs> hole, and Bane has snapped our back, and we've That's been. Right. Derek knows what I'm talking about. I know and what now, you're talking about. All the prisoners are chanting. They're chanting for us. Crawl out of the hole and save Gotham City, <laughs> Jamie. That's what you did with your appearance today. I'm you are out of the hole. <laughs> yeah, we are all the prisoners that are going to be down there forever. But we're like, Jamie, get out, go free Gotham. Don't forget about. About us. So funny. So funny. I was, I was reading, I was listening to NPR's Marketplace yesterday and they were doing a thing on like the state of the economy and like, let's talk to small businesses and stuff. And they got talking about shoes and like one of the biggest industries that's hurting right now is shoes because mm. nobody's buying shoes because nobody's oh, wow. going anywhere that needs new shoes. Which I that didn't even dawn on me, but like obviously I knew like fancy clothes were yeah. hurting and luxury was hurting, fashion, but shoes like just loafers. Like my, why would you buy loafers? You know, like yeah. no one reason. of my teenage sons is still buying shoes. Let me tell you, he's got a collection. So they just need to go after those teen boys. They're getting all the shoes. No, hey, no it was like and it wasn't like the Nike dot com stuff. It was like it was like the work shoes. You oh, know, yeah. like stuff you would wear to work. Like those are just sitting there collecting dust. You know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting coming out of this. When we do crawl out of the hole, they're saying like fall. I mean, you know, like for like health normality or normalcy yeah. coming back, but like for economic normalcy way beyond that. Like, I wonder what industries aren't going to make it. You know what I mean? Like, man, how long can a shoe manufacturer not yeah. sell any shoes and then come back? Cause everybody now wants to buy shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I, it, I think it's gonna be crazy. I, I don't. I think that uh, there's gonna be certain things. There were certain things that were hanging on by a thread. Like I wonder what like movie theaters like. Yeah, what's gonna happen like now that there's this new thing with, you know, releasing in the movie theaters and at home on the same day. I'm sure that's gonna hurt some revenue for sure. Or they're just gonna have to change to be more. You're, you're, I don't want to go to a movie theater where there's 300 people in there, but I want to sit in a small theater and have a meal. I feel like they're gonna have to change their. I love those kind of theaters. Me too. too. Yeah. Like yeah. boutique versus. Yeah. I like like now I'm so spoiled. Like if I can't have a meal and, and a drink while watching the movie, I'm not going to your movie theater. Oh, yeah. okay. Go on, I'm girl. a bougie she movie said, theater. Said, girl. I'm I'll a bougie movie theater lady. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder what's going to happen with like corporate office space because everyone's discovered mm. the, that, you know, those spaces are basically artifacts of a, you know, this just made everyone realize it basically overnight that. You know, with technology, we don't all have to be in the same room, yeah. much much less the same even city to, to to function as a business. But there are, you know, entire metropolitan areas that are built around the idea that working professionals have to spend eight hours a day sharing the same piece of carpet. Now that people no longer have that revelation, what's going to happen to all this this corporate? That's what I'm kind of interested in because mm. it could look any obstacle is also an opportunity, right? Like there could be cool stuff because that that could be done in a lot of those spaces because a lot of them exist in really beautiful kind of urban cool areas. I, I, I watch that really closely, and you know, obviously, like I'm trying to figure out. I'm a, I'm living a year down the road as as running a business. I'm having to figure out where we're the, you know what are we doing now that'll you know, where are we going? And so that office question, I watched pretty closely. Google and other major ones are already like announcing that. Because think about it. They were the most resistant to remote because they were invested. A lot of Silicon Valley was very invested in like the campus, keeping yeah. people on campus, collaboration, that kind of thing. Even there, 
announcing that they're going to probably on the other side of this be in a hybrid work model. Mm -hmm. And a lot of businesses will do this where they will have a physical building, but it'll be about a third of the space and it won't have the private offices and all the space that was there before that people will probably work together two or three days a week and then work apart remotely two or three days a week. And when they come together, it's for intentional collaboration and meetings and things that is just better in person. So the spaces will not be this kind of like, give me my cubicle, give me my privacy. I got to focus. It's going to be, I'm here because actually I'm collaborating or I'm working with somebody else on something. So it's going to be smaller footprints, more shared desks. You're not going to have your post notes and your cat calendars on the wall. You're going to like be there intentionally. Then you're going to pack up your laptop. You're going to go home and work and focus on your personal projects or your solo projects remotely, most likely. I'm loving that idea. Instead Mm -hmm. of having 8,000 square feet, we could do 2,000 square feet. You know, like we could have the studio, we could do the little things that we'll come together for, but then work individually. And apparently a lot of businesses are going to go to that model on the other side of this. So I guess we're realizing that grown Adults don't have to be babysat to do their job. <laughs> like you could just kind of just, hey, here's your task. Go do it. Bring me back. Yeah. <laughs> what you're supposed to bring back, you know? Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting, man. The world's going to be different on the other side of all this. Remember remember last March when we thought that this would be over in like three weeks? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, this is a welcomed uh-huh. two-week little breather. Watch, watch a little Tiger yeah. King. Just, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. Listen, by the time you finish kid. with Tiger King, you, you, you forget all yeah. of this ever happened. Yeah. You know? Side note, I want to say, um, last week, I talked about um, getting awful DMs and arguing yeah. with, you know, and all of that. Yeah. And I just want to say shout out to Relevant. Cause I got so many positive DMs this week. Love it. It was crazy. People were like, yo, I, I heard uh, your DMs are trash. Just want to say, hey, we we love you. Thankful for you, etc. And I just wanted, to, I wanted to publicly say thank you to the people that did that. You you guys don't have to send me any more. Any, I don't want to be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But thank you to everybody that did that. Like that was really really heartfelt. Like when I got those, I was like, dang, that's that's dope. Feels good to have some positivity for a change. So yeah, relevant man. Shout out to y'all. Hey man, Clark, give it like a applause or something, man. In the, in the, the post, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. I really man, thought I, I you were gonna relevant. say like I thought you were gonna say like thanks everybody. Here's my cash app. Gary, that's really good to hear, man. Because I've been, I've been, you know, everyone's kind of been in this funk. And, you know, I'm I'm not up as far up the hole, clearly, as Jamie is right now. Um, you know, I'm still <laughs> nursing is, that. Jesse. I'm still nursing that lower back uh, from that crushing blow by Bane. But I signed on. I was like, oh, I got some DMs here. This is going to be encouraging. It turned out most of them were spam selling me uh, discount Ray-Bans, which are just, <laughs> but I'll tell you this. It's good to know somebody cares, even if it's a bot trying to sell me fake Ray-Bans. I'm just saying it's a good feeling. Someone out there wants my attention. Don't ever put that order in because those Ray-Bans are never coming. Uh, by the way. <laughs> I've ordered quite a few pairs, so I hope you're wrong, Derek, because I had a fantastic discount. So. Look, I, I got an Instagram uh, ad for some watches, and I was like, yo, these, they're fake as I don't know what, yeah. but they look great. I'm like, oh, yeah. and they're only like 10 bucks. All right, bet. I'll buy two or three of them. Yeah. I'm still waiting. 
Yeah, I don't know why the Ray-Ban, I don't know why this Ray-Ban retailer needed my social security number and a and a physical copy of my birth certificate. It's a little but the deal was too good. The deal was too good on these Wayfarers. So I bought I bought like an iPhone case like that, Derek, once it was like a silicon case, and I was like, yeah. Oh wow, so much cheaper than like the Apple one. This is cool. Looks just as good. And it was clearly from a Chinese manufacturer, direct ship, right? So I bought yeah. it. It's like couple bucks it was literally four months later i got this oh, like yeah. beat up envelope with all the custom stamps on it it's like what is this i thought about it <laughs> then I, I got it and it was real but it took four months by so, that time you had a new phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> i forgot i ordered it <laughs> like, yeah yeah but this is gonna fit in it this fits an iphone 4 yeah <laughs> <laughs> whenever i see those ads for like wish like the chinese amazon oh, i'm yeah. like this is an no unbelievable good. deal apparently this ipad is 12 dollars like <laughs> yeah. i have to like how can the a yeast Laurent moto jacket is 12 is eight bucks this week like you see those deals and it's like whoever gets scammed by them almost deserves to at that point like where where do they think these like how do how do they think this is gonna work you know yeah yeah all right well stay tuned up next it's relevant news Don't let them make you feel away. Could have freed more if they only knew that they were slaves. Man, we gotta get away. Man, your boy done caught away. You should hear the way I say. You're listening to Two Chains, Kanye West and Brent Fayez. The song is Feel Away from the album So Help Me God. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, it's time for Relevant News. Please welcome to the show Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee to tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. Tyler, it looks like you shower today. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a bit, I'm a big pandemic shower guy, actually. Yeah. It's, yeah. I make time for I it mean, every day. It's a, I mean, listen, I got time for every other week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, are you, I, I, Jesse, do you shower every day? I do. I do. Do yeah. you really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. I have found myself going, I think this is the fifth day I've worn this shirt. <laughs> like I, like, Oh <laughs> like, no. I'm yeah. a shower show. every day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I shower, but I, I definitely wear the same shirt. Wait, so wait, 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 you, you shower, you, you, you take shirt off, you shower and put the dirty shirt back on. Uh, well, I don't go anywhere, so, so it's, it's not, not that dirty. dirty. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm literally just in my bat cave all day with Bane. So. True. True. All right. Well, <laughs> Tyler, t- amen. T- Tyler, you, you look very nice today. What, what, real you. quick, what, can you stand up. Can we see your shirt real quick? <laughs> can you? 
It's a, Wait, it's a okay. Pretty, this is it's what a straightforward situation. Yeah. Okay. Tyler's throwing the same vibes to me that Jamie is in that Tyler has two shirts on right now, which is always good <laughs> to true. see during COVID. I mean, what you don't want to Effort. see, you know, yeah, I I, th- I feel like bottom of the list is no shirt. Okay. That is, <laughs> you're just kicking around in the sweatpants. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. we were all there. Then tank top, then open robe. And then, you know, you kind of slowly make your <laughs> way up, robe. you know, like undershirt V neck. Tyler has two shirts on right now. And Tyler, this is what you have a, a t-shirt with a with a dress shirt and you yeah this is kind of like, my thing this is the usual tyler huckabee vibe it, it's pretty i'm a simple man i have a uniform but, but here's what i'm saying like if if i were just out and about which i'm not out and about anymore but if i were and i ran into you and jamie the situation is it's friday night at an upscale kind of restaurant around like that happy hour time you guys would fit right in and that makes me feel so good because it gives me hope for humanity what i compared this to tyler was the scene in the final movie, the Dark Knight trilogy, where Batman is in that hole, nursing his broken back, and all the right. prisoners are cheering for him when he's crawling out. How far up the hole do you feel? Because you feel like you're, that first <laughs> hand's about to go over the surface, and all the prisoners are going to be like, yeah, get out of the hole! Isn't it like back? It's like up and down though, right? Like, like you feel like it, it, like some days, some days you see daylight and you've only got like two or three more hand climbs to go. And then you wake up and you're like, whoa, I'm like, I'm like 10 feet further down than I was yesterday. And I don't feel like I changed just the national mood shifted a little bit. Yeah. Well, you guys are both lifting my spirits with your, <laughs> with <Thank> your professional <laughs> appearances. You all look great as far as I'm concerned. Anyway. <laughs> That's not what I'm. I don't think Tyler's fashion anyway, corner is that's the news. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, since Mike took office, the news cycle's really slowed down. So that's all we got this week. Tyler's wearing two shirts. Like two weeks ago, I came on and there was, it news. was like a twenty-minute thing on the sweater I was wearing, the like cardigan, <laughs> which, which I got many DMs about. With the, not many, but I got more than one DM about it. People saying they were kind of mean to you on the, which you not were me, Tyler, not me, and, not, and, I, and I haven't and worn then, a sweater since. So I. Hope you're all happy. Thank you. Nah, bro. They take that uh, Mr. Rogers sweater off, bro. <laughs> we weren't mean. We, I mean, like in our defense, if we posted a picture of that sweater, people would yeah. understand. You know, what yeah, I'm saying? yeah. It was. It, it's one of those that looks a lot better not on the Zoom camera. It, it's not flattering on the Zoom cam. Okay, speaking, it's, right. it's a goodwill now, so it's somebody else's problem. On the Zoom cam, you look like the uh, black grandma on uh, Christmas morning with the. The fuzzy slippers. I ain't gonna lie, you look like you just was about to be like, boy, go on and open that gift. <laughs> Eric, I'm like. glad you brought up the Mr. Rogers point real quick because while we're talking about how many times we like change clothes during the day, can you imagine what it's like doing laundry for Mr. Rogers? Like, <laughs> you wore nine outfits today, bro. It's not even noon, and all you did was check the mail. Like, there are nine outfits here that I, someone's doing the laundry, homie, and it's not easy washing red sweaters. Guess what? They have to be in their own cycle. Okay? It's going to take me all day, man. You're walking around the clock, homie. Oh, God. Can you just live it? Can we, can we just check the mail? You got to change the socks, too? Multiple shoes. That is yeah. true. I never... Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Rogers was dressing y'all shoot. All right, what do you got, Tyler? All right, so we're actually doing this is sort of a it was an unexpected part two to to last week's relevant news where we talked about the National Rifle Association, which had filed for bankruptcy, moved down to Texas to sort of lick its wounds a little bit. Now, something that I think we talked about a little bit on that relevant news segment that I'm actually here to correct today. Anecdotally, uh, we mentioned that over the course of 2020 with the pandemic. 
pandemic, uh, social isolation, there has been less, there's been less shootings, less gun violence in the U.S. Now, and, that uh, was hey, just something that... Thank, thank you for saying we. I said that, and I was wrong. And it was just my anecdotal... But it was my anecdotal <laughs> observation of, like, we just haven't heard of any, like, mass school shootings or mall shootings right. in the news. So I thought, you know, it's down. And then this I would have happened. assumed that. Right. Of well, course. It, it's an yeah. easy assumption, but yeah. the numbers actually came out last week. And, uh, and if this is not only did numbers actually go up, it was one of the deadliest years for gun violence in the U.S. in several decades. So this is according to Gun Violence Archives. They've been keeping track of this, of all gun-related violence in the U.S. since 2013. And it's for the most part, it's gone up a little bit every year since they first started keeping track of all of this stuff. Slight dip in, 29, in 2018. 18, rather, sorry. Uh, and then in 2019, there were 39,500, a little over 39,500 total incidents with 15,435 deaths. And, uh, and 417 mass shootings. Uh, those deaths, that death toll, that does not account for suicide by gun. And uh, the GVA counts any incident in which there are four or more victims as a mass shooting. So 39,500 total incidents, 15,435 deaths, 417 mass shootings. Last year, in 2020, the numbers tick back up. It's 43,482 total incidents of gun violence with 19,000 326 deaths and 612 mass shootings. That is the highest death toll in over 20 years and a 46% increase in mass shootings over the previous year. So it, not only was it an uptick, it was a pretty dramatic uptick in a lot of different respects. And it's not really clear yet just why gun violence went up. There was a big spike in gun sales in March, right when the lockdown started. Uh, this, this usually happens when there's some sort of lockdown. There was a lot of the gun fly off the shelves in case you know the the communist government comes and says you can't buy any more guns um, numerous public resources have been diverted to navigating the pandemic so there's just not quite the same social safety net there that there usually is that maybe helps reduce gun violence in communities uh, there was a big leap in domestic violence in 2020 people aren't outside as much so you see more domestic violence uh, mm. all those factors are probably instrumental in the increase but it's going to take a lot of time to sift through the data and understand exactly what happened, but it's definitely counterintuitive to, I think, what a lot of us sort of anecdotally thought was going to be the case since you didn't have the big, splashy headline grabbing mass shootings that you sometimes have when these conversations really get going. I wonder if that's because of the news cycle, like the news was so inundated with mm -hmm. COVID and lockdown and quarantine and then the presidential election. I mean, really, news is what we know about. And so if they're not covering it, because I'm sitting here going, I just don't remember personally hearing much about mass shootings sure. in 2020, but maybe it's because all I heard about was COVID and quarantine mm -hmm. and, and politics and politics. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. Uh, I, I think also too, you know, the mental health studies that, are going to come out of this are going to be crazy because yeah. I, I think because of the the depression and people are agitated, that makes people have a, a lot shorter fuse. So mm -hmm. people that are already in high intense situations, I could definitely see how this could drive them to make uh very, very bad decisions. So yeah, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. You know, a lot of depression going on outside. A lot, a lot yeah. of people are depressed. A lot of people are angry. A lot of people feel isolated. And, you know, you get by yourself with those kind of thoughts. You can do some pretty awful things. And, and, I, and I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but I, 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 am, I would be willing to project, you know, with some degree of certainty that it's not just a, like, gun violence is only one indicator of, you know, some of these social vices, whether that is, you know, something like uh, a violence, whether it's something like, you know, drug use and addiction mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe uh, o- over, you know, indulging on, on an alcohol or, you know, kind of reckless behaviors in general. You know, I'm sure domestic violence, I'm sure there would be interesting and sobering indicators of, um, yeah, the toll that this is all ta- is taking on society. I think gun violence is probably just one of them. You know, I mean, it's it's a Derek's point. You know, mm-hmm. this is this has been th- people just aren't prepared for this. Where people aren't wired to spend time isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it it is just one of those things where it, it forces it doesn't force, but it certainly um, compels people to uh you know explore some of their darker behaviors because one they don't have the accountability that they used to of being kind of in constant relationship and two you know isolation can bring people to dark places I'm yeah, just trying especially to figure- if you're navigating it alone mm-hmm. i'm just trying to figure out the mass shootings part of it i mean schools are closed malls are closed nightclubs are closed like where are people gathering that mass shootings even could happen that's a good question and yeah. why weren't they on the news you know, like, how did nobody hear about any of this? It's and crazy. And what constitutes a mass shooting? Is there a number that they have four to... Four or more. Oh, four or more four is a mass more, shooting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that could be in a household. And according to this, there's, there are some different metrics you don't always see. It's not a yeah. universally applied term, but in the case of this study, it was four or more. Did they go into school, specifically school shootings? Because I, like you're saying, Cameron, I would imagine those would have to be drastically down. Like, yeah, because a lot of schools aren't, a lot of people aren't yeah, even going to school at all. We're in yeah. school now, but so many states aren't even open still. Yeah, we're, we're, Virginia's still closed. Guys, think about what we're saying. It's this so is, sad. This is wild to me sad. that we're having a conversation on yeah. the level of shootings inside of a school. Mm-hmm. That so in sad. itself should let us know that we are in we're, we got to do something. You know what I mean? Like that shouldn't be like a, this shouldn't even be a metric. Like school should just be a place where kids can go and learn. But safe. we've had such a trauma or such an uptick in that type of violence, man, that that is it's just it just made me sad as we were we were talking about it. But yeah. I mean, there's several opportunities. One, we also know people weren't isolating like that. True. Like, I You're mean, right. you look in tons of places. Mm-hmm. I mean, just our COVID numbers and deaths should let you know people in America weren't really isolating like that. So there's tons of opportunity to hurt people um, in more ways than one with guns or, you know, not wearing a mask and getting people sick from COVID. Tyler, did it, did it talk about any specific cities or anything where it was no, really, where like where this happened, uh, the, 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 the GBA does not keep the stats or does not make publicly available the stats on exact Like, is it yeah. a school? Are these cities? Are these rural? Um, I did look up and this was just kind of interesting as I was doing some research on this last Sunday. Uh, there was a mass shooting that left five people dead in Indianapolis. It was the yeah. worst mass shooting there in 10 years. Uh, one of the one of the victims was a pregnant woman. And 
I don't know about you. I don't think anybody heard about it. No, yeah, that's not true. That made national bit. news. I did hear about that. Like, I, did, that, that I did not hear about it. I, I will speak for everybody else. I did not hear about that. But it's these that, are the sorts of stories that used to be very attention-grabbing headlines, were very big deals that right. now well, just kind of fly under the radar. They are, these aren't a big part. And that was in somebody's home. I, I wonder if I, I wonder if we're going to look back on this too. And and, and look, it's not too late. But uh, but I think there is some missed opportunity that a lot of ch- you look churches just like everyone else were caught off guard by the pandemic. And obviously, different churches have taken different approaches and um, you know debates about meeting publicly and how many people should be in a building have really kind of consumed the conversation. But I think there's still an opportunity here for the church to unify in some way to meet a massive, massive need right now. And even if it's churches that say, look, we're going to do Zoom counseling from two o'clock till four o'clock every day. We're going to have counselors. We're going to you know figure out something. We're going to mobilize and get people connected. Even if it's virtually, we're going to get people kind of the mental health they need, the spiritual guidance they need, and kind of say, look, I know we haven't done things like this in the past. I but there's a huge need here, and I don't feel like it's too late for the church to start getting creative and doing things differently to meet mm-hmm. people where they're at instead of trying to – too many churches, I feel like right now, are having the conversation, well, how can we get people to meet us where we're at? Sometimes, literally, how can we make them comfortable to get back in the building, right? <laughs> but maybe that's not the question. How can the church meet people where they're at, where they're scared, they're isolated, they're self-medicating they're, you know, uh, in danger of becoming violent and, and becoming the victims of violence. So how can the church go and find a way to kind of meet that need and offer the resources that are going to help people who are in isolation instead of saying, well, you guys got to get back in the building because that's going to be good for growth and tithing. And it's like there's still an opportunity here because there is such a massive need that churches are well equipped to meet, you know. It's one of the most, it's one of the least utilized resources in a lot of these communities is a church that has been there for oftentimes many years, is really connected to the local community. And it, it, when you think about the force for good that many of these could be, and that many of them are, this is not a universal, you know, I think a lot of times when there's a natural, when there's a crisis or disaster in communities, churches are the first ones there on the ground because they, they have, they're in the zip code, they're ready to go, but, but it could be, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking sometimes to think about how much with a little more organization and a little more firepower, uh, how much more good could be done. And it's not an indictment. It's why did you say firepower? Why? Why? Of all the words, <laughs> that was a poor, that's a poor choice of words. Yeah. That was a poor choice of but, words. But yeah, it's it's not it's not. Look, every business has been trying to be like, what can we do here? Like everyone's trying to figure out. Everyone's caught off guard. But I do feel like at some point you got to say, all right, look, this is what it is. This need is here. When I before I got married, I had passed. I had went to marriage counseling with two different pastors, right? Like they're equipped for counseling. I literally thought like, you were going to say I went to marriage counseling with two different women. <laughs> like, I did too. I did too. I, well, I was like, I can't. Story, story, story for another. Yeah. This has nothing to do with any. This is relevant news, right? Time to get something <laughs> off my chest. Um, <laughs> no, but but like they, you know, you know, pastors or you know, even counselors who are in the congregation. I just feel like if there are enterprising churches out there listening 
mobilize and and tell congregants you don't have to come you don't have to attend right now there you are suffering the church is going to be to meet your needs we're going to set up some zoom time we're going to set up some phone calls we're going to we're going to check in we're going to make sure that people who are suffering in isolation at least have the, you know the, their their needs met because look man the, the, we could Tyler could do a relevant news update about gun violence he could do one about opioids he could do one about rises in domestic violence mm-hmm. any number of any number of these things that are coming to the surface because people are suffering through isolation this is a real opportunity here you know mm-hmm. yeah they're too busy trying to pay off the building though and I think that's the that's the issue with a lot of churches is like they think programs like yep. church. Revenue, building yeah. programs or what do it, what do it. And it's like, it's not that it's, it's the, I'll put it this way. I feel like a lot of pastors and I'm not saying every pastor, but a lot of pastors are better businessmen and entrepreneurs than pastors. Um, you know, when you look at a lot of the way these things are structured, they're structured like major corporations as opposed to structured like uh, churches that, or a structure like places where people can actually get help. The structure more like mm-hmm. businesses. Um, I think that that's a flaw and it's being exposed now because now in the moment when people need people need the church the most, it's very few that are po- positioned to be able to do that. Like you talked about Rick Warren, Rick Warren is positioned to be able to do that because it's, although it definitely Rick is a businessman, but at the same time, he's structured the church in a way to where it doesn't have to have people be there every Sunday. You know what I mean? Like it's able, he, he was doing things that were helping the community pre COVID. So right. now in COVID, he can double down yep. on those things, double and triple down on those things. I think we could probably learn some lessons from him. Uh, just sure. globally as a, as a church. I think, I think everything you guys are saying is so true. I also know that, man, pastors are like dying and hurting right now. I mean, I've heard Facts. Dr. Moore, he might've said it on Relevant. He said it when he was on my podcast. I've heard him say it a thousand times. Every day he's having conversation with pastors who are like, I'm quitting. As soon as this pandemic's over, I'm out. And it's wow. because the people in the churches are so difficult right now with why are we meeting? Why aren't we meeting? Duh, duh, all the things. And so I, everything you're saying, 100% true. I also think, man, people also need to remember that the people they're asking to lead them are real people right now with also yeah. their own real problems and their own real circumstances and struggling with their own real vices, you know? Um, and I just keep thinking too about when Dr. Moore says that about how much pastors are struggling right now as well. And so like these ideas, I mean, I was just reading in Acts 2 about what the early church did. And, you know, they were, they sold everything and they took care of their people and they were generous mm-hmm. with each other. And so, man, this is such a good time. I was just talking with some friends, like, I don't know that my life looks like Acts 2 in the beginning. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that for all yeah. of us to go, man, how, what does it look like for me to actually take care of the person next to me uh, because they're lonely in COVID? And that. All I'm saying is I was convicted of that reading that. And so I think it's true is that, man, I look at my own life and I'm like, am I stepping up to the plate? Am I acting like Mm -hmm. the early church? I don't know some days, you know? And so that encouragement, Jesse and Derek, is good. And it's good for all of us, too. I think you make a great point in the sense that, you know, we have this superhero perspective of pastors um, for better or for worse. Right. And. No one person can attend to 
a hundred members, right? There has to be a, a an environment that's created where the members also tend to themselves and care for one another. But that's built in culture, right? And that's kind of the point I was saying from the beginning is like if 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 the only thing we're excited about in church pre COVID, if the only thing we're excited about is man, we our our numbers are growing, or mm. man, um, you know. Uh, 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 man, we got this new shiny building. If, if that's the culture, well, when things begin to, cr- th- when those things begin to crumble, then, and, and we haven't boosted up the people element of the church, then that's going to be exposed. And I think that's what's being, and I'm not saying that every pastor is like, oh man, I just want to make a million dollars off the church. I'm just saying that some of us, we've had some bad practices mm-hmm. in, yeah. in this time that we, that this is exposing. And hopefully after this, that some of those pastors won't quit and that and the members and and the staff will all be able to come together and say, okay, where did we have it right? Where did we have it wrong? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's this has exposed us. Let's work on it together. You know what I mean? Like looking at it personally and corporately. Yes. Yeah. I remember years ago when we had Mark Marin in the magazine. Tyler, you, you and Cameron, you know, I know mm-hmm. you guys remember that interview. And, <clears throat> you know, Marin, who I think is a brilliant um, interviewer and just has, you know, this really interesting ability to kind of dissect human nature in, in interesting ways. But he was talking to us, he, but he famously has a pretty contentious relationship with religion and is often, you know, you know, become kind of a vocal proponent of atheist, or at least he considers himself a, an atheist. But I remember when he was talking to our interviewer, a writer named Eric Van Valen, and he said, um, um, you know, he thinks it's awesome that what could be more cool than having a community that you can raise your family with, that is always there to eat lunch with, that is always, there are people there that you can always call, people that will live your life with you and support you. And the the crux of the faith is that that support has to be unconditional. You, mm-hmm. you, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that view of church is so refreshing or the church, I say the, the capital C church is so refreshing because I know a lot of all six of us, by virtue of our profession, spend a lot of time thinking about church and church culture mm-hmm. and and, you know, kind of God at work in uh, communities. But, you know, sometimes that gets really complicated. But I think if you kind of just strip it down to someone who someone like an outsider's perspective, like what Mark Marin had said in that interview, it's like, yeah. It's right. This is a conditional. Ultimately, this is a community of unconditional love, unconditional grace and unconditional support. Let's act like it and figure out how we can help each other because we're all in this boat together and not worry about all the things that have consumed any discussion about faith and 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 living in community in the last couple of years. Let's just let's just take a step back for a second and be like, listen, People would kill to have what what Christians have in their com- mm. in a lot of their communities, which is you know this giant extended family. Let's figure out how to utilize that. It's not too late. It's not an indictment. Everyone's been trying to figure out. Everyone's been freaking out. But we were 11, 12 months into this thing. We, they, we don't know when it's going to be over. There's still time. You know, that's mm. something like Derek mentioned the conversation we had in December with Rick Warren. I mean, that's something he talked about. The reason why their church not only is fine during all this. It's thriving. It's growing. And more people are coming in Jesus than ever is because they've always emphasized the small group community doing life together model. And it's not about necessarily the worship gathering on Sundays that the church is actually uh, active throughout the week, you know, and so many churches 
don't really focus on that. You know, it's more about the great speaker, come hear a great word, feel good. And then that's it. You just check in on Sundays. And so like, it's going to take a fundamental rethink about what church is and what engagement is and doing community, what that really is, you know? Yeah. And if you have four pillars, if you, to what your church does, like Saddleback does. Rick has five pillars. Five. Does five. he have five? Oh, am I missing five. one? I was going over in my head. Well, well, even more than, well, that just, go, that, that just proves my point all but, the more. But he said she that, like, five. we have five, so we can remove the worship gathering, and we you have four that are out. healthy. And the yeah. desk isn't even wobbly yet, you know? Five You're pillars. still good to go. Youth group lock-ins, men's <laughs> golf outings, <laughs> ladies' brunchings, uh, <laughs> Sunday school, and mandatory Wednesday worship nights. Mandatory if you want to be part of the church. Five pillars is very easy. It's very, <laughs> it's very easy. Oh, uh, six is you have to go out of the, to like Central America and call it a mission trip at some point and yeah. email send letters to your friends to get them to pay for it. That's in it. a matching uh, t-shirt. In a matching yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. It, uh, obviously you're going to wear a matching t-shirt. Stop this, Jesse. <laughs> six Stop six pillars. To six. It's a it's going to call it a Pentagon, but I don't even know what the word of six is. Kind of, it's, it's a whole thing. The whole thing is very clearly, and that is very scriptural. You'll see those six pillars. Paul talked about all of them. He was big on the youth lock-in. <laughs> the lock-ins. All right, so all that to say, gun violence was way up last year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's the what a tangent. You, you leave with one thing. What a tangent. Remember that? All right. Well, thanks, Tyler. There's a lot more content. Uh, go check out what we're doing every day at relevantmagazine.com. You can follow us on all of our socials as well. Uh, stay tuned. Up next, Johnny Swim joins us. You're listening to Neo featuring at a Kunal Gold. The song is Antidote. Well, Abner and Amanda make up the folk duo that is Johnny Swim. They stayed busy in 2020 with uh, songs with strangers, backyard concerts, and have big plans to hit the reality TV scene on the brand new Magnolia Network. Chip and Joe Gaines is upcoming television network they sat down with our very own tyler huckabee to tell us more about uh their upcoming shows and what it was like to film them why they're so desperate to reclaim christianity from its cultural trappings and how to stay creative productive and healthy even while working from home here is our conversation one of our favorite duos johnny swim I really enjoyed the last conversation we had, and um, I know we're getting. I know, well, I don't. When does the show debut? Do you have a premiere date? You know, we have one episode out right now on Discovery Plus. It's been, you know, COVID's pushed everything back because there's going to be all this press, all this whatever crazy time to. Uh, and then also, they weren't able to. We were lucky. We filmed all our stuff early. We were one, we were the first show in production on Magnolia Network. That's right. And uh, so we got done with our thing. Then COVID happened. And then everybody's production, which is, you know, everybody else had to stop. And so there's just nothing. There wasn't anything to put up. But now I think they're catching up. COVID went from being a month long thing to clearly a year long thing now. So as opposed to avoiding the conversation of COVID in the shows, it's become a character, I think, in a lot of the shows. 
And uh-huh. I think the betterment of, uh, of a lot of this style of television making and storytelling, because it's very honest, it has to be. And so right now, it's a, there's a soft target of, you know, fall, I think. Is that is it weird to look back on that time? Like, I'm sure you haven't seen a whole lot of the show or anything, but is it? Do you feel like different people, or do they feel like a different era in your Absolutely. lives? Absolutely, it is so strange that we used to jump into crowds and like high five, and he'd eat yeah. off people's plates. Which, for the record, I never appreciated when he ate off of strangers' <laughs> plates. So like you have no clue what they have going on in their mouth and <laughs> microbiome. And I didn't care. I didn't he care. Never I, was, cared. I was always proud of having a strong immune system. And But yeah, I mean, eesh. back then it was like the, you know, my parents' friends would call me and be like, are you sure you want to jump into crowds? You know, there might be somebody crazy. They might try to grab you or something. You know, that was like the fear. We have our first show um, next week. We have like, we're doing this really small little private right. And uh, for a nonprofit, and we were like going through like what songs we were going to sing. Like we were, you know, I was thinking through the set, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, we can't ask people to sing along with us." Like normally, like all right, everybody sing. You know, we're like, we can't do that. We can't. Do, like half of our show is is kind of like over. But um, but yeah, looking back on it, it's just it feels like we were different people, and it was a different time. And and I wish they knew more shows. You know, I wish they knew. <laughs> is uh is shooting stuff around the house having cameras up do do you feel does it feel like you're on stage the entire time at all is that a wish is it anxiety inducing for me it does for me it does not feel it does there's a pressure of being on so i feel that but it's more like being in a day-long interview oh yeah than it is being on stage it's it's not really like it's not the same as being on stage because on stage there's interaction you know there's like a joint Mm. excitement for everybody to be there and you know there's you know, community happening on stage. And this is just kind of eye eyeballs. This just feels like eyeballs are on you. And, you know, you have to pee and you're always thinking about your microphone. Yeah. If you say something about somebody, you're like, oh, that guy's so weird. I don't know why he's here. And you're like, you know, crap, my microphone's on. Yeah. <laughs> not, you know, it's not always 100% smooth at Casa de Ramirez. <laughs> Maybe somebody's bugging you and I got to tell my wife somebody's bugging me. Maybe I forgot I had my mic on. <laughs> Dang it. Okay. Well, now everybody knows. Yeah, so it's definitely for me, there was definitely, like, I would go to sleep or uh, really not even go to sleep, just when I would take the microphone off and I knew that the cameras, you know, the robo cams kind of, like, turn their heads down like they're sleeping. Oh, did we tell you about the setup? Yeah. The setup well, for the, uh, how we filmed it all? for the show? I know that it exists, but that's about it. All right, so we, uh, what's the sh- first show called? On the Road, Home on the Road with Johnny Swim is the first mm-hmm. show. Episode one is out right now on Discovery Plus. Mm-hmm. You can stream it. It's awesome. It's an episode in, Den- in Dallas, Texas was super fun um this new show that won't be out until the fall is called at home with johnny swim and we filmed it ourselves for the most part so i bought a couple cameras we hired some friends to hold cameras and to be a part of life with us that there, there we are our quarantine my yeah people who are already quarantined with. and then they added six robotic cameras uh cameras that are controlled from a trailer that was actually behind our garage and there's a guy just watching us and directors all sitting in the trailer. We don't really interact with them all day other than to get mic'd up and to get the mics taken off. And they just track us. And so I would forget cameras were on. Maybe sometimes I'm holding the camera, sometimes I'm not. But now me and Amanda are engaged in some kind of conversation that might not paint me in the best light. <laughs> and I see the camera just go. <laughs> then you can see the iris in flame inside. So you know it's zooming in. <laughs> that was us for about six weeks. Yeah. Okay. Um, shifting gears a little bit. 
Obviously, it's been a very volatile month, especially uh, as it concerns Washington, D.C. How did what happened at the uh, at the Capitol building, how did that impact you guys? Oh, because there there was something so I felt like I don't know if something died in me, something. Well, how do I how do I explain the feeling I had when that QAnon shaman was standing in the, with cap- the horns with the. Yeah. And he started to lead a prayer. It there's, I mean, rarely have I been able to understand something happening in front of me by using my own lyrics, Hmm. but give back the pieces of my Jesus, take your counterfeit to hell is, has been running, coursing through my veins from the song we did with Drew for, uh, uh, what's it called? Goodbye road, ring the bells, the name of the song. Mm -hmm. And it just, I don't know, man, it feels wild. I love being able, I love. Your voice matters. What you've been doing, I think, on Twitter, where I've seen it the most, has been Thank you. awesome, and it matters. And it's for people like me who love Jesus, people like my, myself and my wife. I'll speak for both of us while I can. She'll correct me when I don't anymore. <laughs> we love Jesus. We honor so many of the sacred tradi- traditions for sure. But this ain't right. So much of mm-hmm. this ain't right. I got friends, people I knew growing up that I still follow on uh, Facebook. Uh, and to be honest. I'm real petty on Facebook. <laughs> I go there to be petty. That, I mean, these people are lawyers and they, during the inauguration, they're like, well, it's 1154 and he's been sworn in. This isn't real. This is fake. Watch out for the National Guard. Here they come. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all a hoax. It's all whatever. And I was like, what, where does it end? Where does, the, where does the delusion end? I don't know. And what's our responsibility as believers? Because I feel... Like, I need to preserve myself. Like, for real, like, in the midst of this Christian nationalism thing, like, w- I feel like my job has been to, to to protect what I find holy and to protect those that I'm nearest to, my family, my dear friends. But, man, it's it's definitely a, it's an interesting season. Do you feel as a, because you, like, like honestly, relevant, like, you have people who listen to you who are fans of what you do, just like we have people who read us and are fans of what we do, who would at least say, who would at least buy into maybe some of that or or say that there's a, um, they may have some points, you know, they may, oh, I don't believe everything they say, but they got some good, they, some of it, it can't all be wrong. Does that trouble you? Do you feel like you have a responsibility to those people who are kind of in your, in your circle? I was going to say, I, I feel like I, I personally, for me, I'm not on Facebook. I haven't been on Facebook in a long time. And I think that saved me a lot of mental energy over this time, but uh, but I do have a few people that um, that I love so much that aren't into kind of the more frivolous, like JFK is coming back, but like, but definitely JFK Jr. Babe, I'm sorry, JFK Jr. is coming back, um, but definitely are into you know are like, nope, we're believing that Trump's gonna it's gonna turn around and we're gonna have him, you know that that will send me text messages and videos and you know try to engage in you know in conversation about it and you know as. I, I've been I've been called by several of my friends um, s- said that I was belittling them like in the conversations hmm. and after going back and having other people read them it, it wasn't it was just like if I do say so myself me just saying no that's actually not that's not true information that's not real information and you had receipts here's for any time you yeah, said here's, that here's the information they're like well I'm gonna have to look at that but I don't you know appreciate you belittling me right now and I'm like I'm I'm not I'm trying to have a conversation with you because I love you and I I know you well enough to know that you're super smart and that you have a voice and you have a perspective. And I want you to be able to use that perspective. There's a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine who I do love. And we stand on not quite polar opposite 
ends of the spectrum when it comes to this thing. Uh, but we, we, we're very differing in our thought. And we had a really great conversation that changed neither of our minds. But I think what was important is it exposed each of our hearts. It exposed where we're coming from. And at the end of the day, we're both trying to do the same thing. We're both trying to, we both have a, a certain amount of people that we feel responsible for that, that take what we say to heart mm. and follow our lead in a lot of ways. And he goes one way with it. And I believe man and I go another way with it. And at the end of the day, we're both trying to, before God, follow our God-given responsibility to those people, to serve them the best way we know how, to keep them safe the best way we know how, to protect them and to guide them the best way we know how. We differ in our ideologies behind the directions we've gone in, but we, we are doing essentially the same thing. I am one of one. Amanda's one of one. Tyler, you're one of one. We all are walking a bespoke path mm-hmm. that is the culmination of our experiences, our DNA, and the world around us that no one else in history will get to walk. We are the only ones to walk the path we're given. So I cannot judge someone for doing what they believe in their heart is the right thing. I do have one more question that is that is apolitical, yeah. if, you, if you can help me out there, because the, okay. and this is both going to be good for people who listen, and this will be good for me. Um, you both are used to working at home. This is something that you have been doing since long before all of this. A lot of people are struggling with this right now. They're losing all sense of a balance between their jobs and their lives and what they want to do for fun and what they have to do to make money. Any advice for those of us who are not as experienced as you are in how to maintain a good, healthy work-life balance from home? I think having traditions during the week. So like we'll have Taco Tuesday, we'll have Pizza Friday and how we actually make the tacos or if we order in or whatever, that kind of changes. But, you know, we just have these things that I think as a family, at least it kind of helps us remember what day of the week it is, because I think it's a hard part of being home. It just feels like a never ending. Oh my gosh. We're just on the same day. It's groundhog day. I feel like having the traditions kind of helps us go, Oh, it's Friday pizza night, movie night. We can chill tomorrow morning. We're going to watch a movie when we wake up, you know, like it it keeps, uh, it keeps, us knowing that we're in time and space and we haven't just been hurled out into eternity and where every day is the same. I feel like the COVID blues really kick in when you start losing your sense of motion. When you, and Mm -hmm. for us, that's really easy to lose because our motion is very literal. We need to edit the book. We need to film, whatever it is, all those kind of become easier to do and to accomplish because we know here at home, we got motion, we're moving. Johnny Swim, check out the first episode of their new show on the Discovery Network and stay tuned for the whole season later this year. Stay tuned up next. It's Relevant Recommends and then what's Jesse thinking? Oh, 2021, 2021, we can have some fun, maybe we could run, I could be the one, maybe you're the one, it's time to go hard for you, love me. Every week on Relevant Recommends, we recommend a new album, book, show, movie, or even a video game that's got our attention and is worth your time. This week, we're talking about Showtime's Brian Cranston crime drama, Your Honor. Ever since Breaking Bad, fans have been clamoring for a return to form from Brian Cranston, who became a generational icon as Walter White on Breaking Bad. Your Honor may not capture the same cultural zeitgeist as the one who knocks, but it does give Cranston an opportunity to stretch some of the same muscles. 
Here, he plays Michael DeCiato, a New Orleans judge who knows just enough about the legal system to manipulate it to keep his son Adam out of trouble. Based on an Israeli series and adapted by British playwright Peter Moffat, the show is a real terrific showcase of acting talent and an immersive exploration into how law and justice and corruption can dance together in the American system. So it's 2021, hardly anybody needs a reminder that the justice system is in need of reform. Your Honor understands this and knows it doesn't need to spend too much time explaining that opportunistic politicians, cops on the take, and mob bosses are key elements of the backdrop of American governance. Where Your Honor finds its novelty is in how fragile even these corrupt systems can be. The deceptions are carefully cobbled together, but they can be blown over with the slightest breeze of either someone willing to tell the truth or, more likely, someone willing to double-cross the system. That's where Cranston really shines. He shifts from upstanding member of the community to duplicitous puppet master with believable subtlety. His son, Adam, played by Hunter Duhon, accidentally ends up in the mob's crosshairs, and Michael begins artificially grinding the gears of justice in Adam's favor. Now, Adam is kind of a a Jesse Pinkman type here, although he's even less comfortable with Cranston's machinations than Jesse was in Breaking Bad. Their father-son dynamic is a really interesting wrestling match between a dad who wants to protect his son and the son who's clearly more interested in doing the right thing, whatever the negative repercussions. That's where your honor gets really interesting. What do you do when the choice is between being a good dad and being a good person? How does someone live ethically when the deck seems so insanely stacked against the ethical? The show is more interested in its plot than the broader issues underneath, but you can't watch your honor without asking bigger questions. New episodes release Sundays on Showtime. That's all for this week. Check out more relevant recommends at relevantmagazine.com. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I could be the one. Maybe you're the one. It's time to go hard for you. Love me. Maybe I love you. I don't want no one else but you. Do you want to find love? You're listening to Love. The song is 2021. Okay, it is time for our brand new segment. It's, it's breaking the internet. It's time for <laughs> What's Jesse thinking? Oh? Huh? <laughs> Jesse, what are you thinking this week? Hey, I I'm thinking about two different things. And I'm going to and I know we're I'm going to blast through these, but this is very interesting. I've had a lot on my mind. The first thing I'm thinking is that look, we all coming out of especially coming out of the last conversation, we all need to be positive and optimistic about the future. Uh, not only will that help us uh, with our mental health, but according to two new recent studies, one by the American Heart Association, one by the Division of Clinical Psychology and Epidemiology at the University of Basel, Okay, very credible uh, institutions there. Uh, There is a very interesting and not totally understood link between optimism and physical health. So both studies, I won't get into too many of the details, but like I said, I just named the institution. So if you want to Google them, go for it. Um, (laughs) Both institutions uh, use different methodology. One methodology was to basically kind of poll people about their mindset and do a long-term research about what they call the mind-heart-body connection 
when they talk about the heart, they're not talking about like the soul, right? They're talking about your physical heart. Your oh, heart yeah. actually works better when you're happy and optimistic. Uh, blood flow and cardiovascular health is dramatically affected by the levels of cortisol in your bloodstream. And cortisol has a direct association with stress, anxiety, and, and those kind of bad feelings. If you can, you know, uh, uh, figure out ways to, to try to be optimistic, try to be positive, you'll dramatically, you'll see dramatic changes to your physical health. And if you want to, if you want to re, if you want to know, Hey, well, how can I do that? Laugh more during the day. Find more funny stuff to listen to and engage with because the other study found a direct link between laughing and long life. Laughing really? and smiling. If you laugh, wow. I think they said, I think the threshold for smile, for laughing, if you can try to laugh eight times a day, if eight times a day, if you can make that your threshold, you will see dramatic changes to your physical health because I'm of good. links that we totally don't understand. I think that's super interesting that your mood can affect your, your physical body. And so, so, so you like know, you double yeah. down because they say eight, eight big glasses of water a day too. So double down every time you have your glass of water, just. Chuckle. I want to see some. I want to see if you're laughing while you're drinking the water. If there's a quick study about water coming out of the nose, there. you know, I think on the hierarchy of funny things coming out of the nose, water is pretty low. Milk is very high on that list. But either way, I think Cameron, that's a good principle. Okay, I do have one more thing. I do have one more. Okay, yeah, hold on. I have uh, a question about that because okay, this is an yeah. anecdotal thing that I've kind of observed. I didn't know the direct scientific correlation between optimism and laughter and health, but typically. The people that I've observed that I know that are the most sickly are the most, they worry the most, they're the most, you know, like they struggle with anxiety and stuff. Do they talk about that? Is there like a chemical thing that the negative thoughts do to your body that invokes sickness? It, they, there is. And that's why laughing is actually one of the best natural stress relief mechanisms. See, one of the other one's breathing. But when you laugh, you, you I actually breathing is re- a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, like I mean, deep I, breathing and oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I held my breath for three days uh, when they were counting election votes. I was so super stressed. sick. Super sick. Yeah, I, yeah super sick. I mean, I passed out. I very dramatic. Do not, I do not recommend going three days without breath. No, but there are things that you can do to reduce the amount of because depending on, I guess, your uh, theology or, or understandings of biology, you know what some people would say. There are evolutionary biological reasons that your brain produces chemicals that will ultimately hurt hurt your hurt you because mm. in in nature they're only supposed to be used in short bursts like let's say you're out in the you know Serengeti and you're getting chased by a predator you need mm. a surge of things that cause your heart to race that cause you to be stressed that cause you to sweat that you know all mm. these things that will help you evade danger you know mm-hmm. that's kind of why they're baked into us but we, you know, when things get really stressful and you live in a constant state where you're constantly under uh, anxiety and worry and pessimism, those chemicals are just free flowing and your body isn't meant to deal with them. And mm. laughter is one of the things that causes that switch to turn off. And so when they say laughter is the best medicine, in this case, according to science, it really is. Very interesting stuff. Okay. Huh. I have one more, if that's cool with you guys that I've been yes. thinking about. Uh, you know, Cameron, how many, how many between you and I, how many interviews do you think you've done? Like, me, and do you me not that many. People? You, I mean, dude, ten years times fifteen a week. I mean, thousands, wow. right? But yeah. 
you know, but I came across an interview this week that really just blew my mind and made me change the way I think about interviews. And so here's the story. Do you guys know who Werner Herzog is? No. You'll know him when we play a clip and hear his voice. So he is one of the weirdest. He's one of those brilliant filmmakers ever lived, but he's also one of the weirdest humans ever to live. Uh, he's He talks with this thick Bavarian accent, and he's known for these documentaries in which he narrates. Uh, the most famous one is Grizzly Man, but I think his la- I think one of one uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams uh, was uh. also nominated for an Oscar a couple years ago. Uh, he's done a bunch of scripted films. He's done hundreds of movies. He had a legendary career, but he's mainly known for thinking back on his films and talking like that and he thinks very philosophically about just random things okay so mm-hmm. uh there's a a small skateboarding magazine called gin kim skateboard magazine and one of the oh, editors yeah. happened yeah he, do you guys know i him? just I, I just slapped my subscription sorry yeah i i just did i just Are you serious i just did a kickflip right do i have the body type of a skateboarder come on I, I, are you working I, look, on it you're working I, look, on it man, yeah. you, you say you dropping down you know, yeah. I know, you know. yeah i get the magazine to stay inspired yeah i was just I'm doing good. some sick ollies and was talking about jenkin mag man uh, yeah, no. the ship has officially sailed for me stepping on a skateboard so <laughs> so, so uh the uh, an editor of the magazine happened to you know skate videos are a big thing like you know skateboarding has this interesting sort of tie to the filmmaking community even though they're sort of adjacent so one of the editors was reading one of werner herzog's books about that he wrote decades ago and in the book it was revealed that werner herzog whenever he goes on a movie set he always has a pair of bolt cutters with him because if they find a location that they don't have access to he's of the mindset that you ask you don't ask for permission you ask for forgiveness oh yeah he white for show he white for show <laughs> yo I, side note I'm sorry Jesse Can, I just have to tell a story and this Please is do. funny that Please you do. said that because I was shooting a music video no I was shooting a doing a photo shoot with my little homie he's like He's like 20, 24, 25, and he's he's my photographer. He's a white kid. And man, there was this one location that was amazing. But he's like, yo, let's shoot over there. And I'm sitting here like, bro, are you crazy? There's a sign that says no trespassing. He's like, oh, man, well, uh, you know, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. I was like, damn, man, white people got superpowers because I'm going to be for real. That is crazy that he's just like, I bring bolt cutters. Do you know what would happen with me if I had some bolt cutters? I don't care if I was trying to heal world hunger and I'm trying to cut the the, the chain to get the food for the babies. They'd send me to jail. This white man said he going. Not not only that, Werner Herzog may be one of the whitest people on the planet. He's he's like an 80, he's like a Bavarian octogen who looks like he works at a library like he's, he's, this he's is amazing. so so anyway they decided what if we just randomly contacted Werner Herzog legendary Hollywood weirdo and interviewed him about skateboarding a topic he knows nothing about and I was like dude why are more people do these interviews find smart people and ask them about things they have real no knowledge of and just see where it goes why and so would I, he I, say I, yes to that interview request <laughs> Werner Herzog is one of the weirdest people ever and he seemed gleeful he seemed like yeah absolutely i'll do this uh so clark i want to play the first clip what's happening in this clip is he is watching a skateboarder on a youtube video fall repeatedly while trying to land the the script the other thing about werner herzog you know he just he he likes to take interviews in interesting directions and just play clip number one clark i get so much satisfaction of hearing werner herzog talk about a guy falling on a skateboard so many failures that's astonishing <laughs> yes 
Nothing too good to his pelvis, nor to his elbows. <laughs> it was a clean one. And I wanted to that ask you about physical one. feats because I've heard on an interview you said, oh, what David Blaine does where he holds his breath underwater for a long period of time is not something you're into. And, and how does that differentiate than someone ski jumping or flying or skateboarding for you? I know that uh, David Blaine shouldn't be trusted in these kind of quests. <laughs> it's this kind of absurd quests and they're meant only for his uh, own publicity and for shining out in, in the media. The skateboard kids are not out for the media. Okay. David Blaine is not cut out for this type of quest. Like I, I, if, I thought he was watching a video of my life from the past 18 months. So many failures. It's astonishing. <laughs> like it makes me want to have Werner Herzog narrate a day for me and just see. So uh, they wanted to ask him, look, we were talking about a world-class filmmaker about his thoughts about his favorite camera ever and how he would score a skate video. Both unexpected answers. Clark, we'll, we'll close on this last clip. I'm curious, there's in, in skating, there's um, a video camera that's very popular called the VX1000. It's a Sony cam. Have you fallen in love with a camera before? No. <laughs> let's say if you were to shoot skateboarding, One let's say you went question. to Venice Beach. No. What, what's, what would you soundtrack it to? That's a good, good question. Uh, probably what, uh, what comes to mind first and foremost would be Russian Orthodox church choirs. <laughs> Something with uh, that have that create this yeah. kind of strange feeling of space and sacrality. So what you are doing is special, uh, bordering the sacred. Uh, okay, what Can movie just... is he in? That I, I'm, I'm, he's in a he's in played like a he, bad guy in some crazy movies. Yeah, right? he's been a, he's been a villain in a couple of movies. He's also directed some bonkers movies. He's done Bad Lieutenant Port of Call with Nicolas Cage. Uh, he did Rescue Dawn with Christian Bale. But he's also, he had a really weird cameo in the final season of Parks and Rec where he was the proprietor of an old mansion that April and Andy bought, which is the perfect role for Werner Herzog. I'm just saying, Cameron, I think there's an idea here for a new podcast where it's interviews with interesting people about things they don't know much about. <laughs> I, I think how, would we, how, how would we get any yeses though? That would be my only thing. Yeah, because you because I would feel like if you ask like not like me, but I feel like that you'd be they would think you're making fun of them. Well, right. it, it it's, you kind they of would, are. They would just have to like if you if we had Nicholas Cage. We're like, hey, we're gonna do a whole conversation with you about cured meats, pickle like <laughs> hot dogs, sausages, pastrami's. Where we're gonna go for thirty minutes. Deal. And who would not listen to that? Like this is this is a perf. This is I'm I'm jealous of this skateboarding magazine for coming to this idea, randomly emailing Werner Herzog and getting him gleefully on a Zoom call to do his thing while watching YouTube videos. What a great execution! Props to those guys. My question is: Did they send him the YouTube videos? You know what I mean? Or was yeah. he just <laughs> trying to crash like you do right before your math exam? Yeah, yeah. You're trying to like mm -hmm. cram real quick and he's just yeah. pulling up YouTube videos of skateboarders so he knew what he was talking about. That is so, my question. So many failures. It's astonishing. So his pelvis and now it's his elbow. But the Russian Orthodox music and the sexuality. <laughs> and it's like, what are you even talking about? Just keep talking. I have no idea what you're talking about, but please continue. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. So that's All what right, I've well, been that, thinking. That's what I've been thinking. That'll do it for this week's What's Jesse thinking? Oh, huh? this is perfect. 
<laughs> Many thanks to Johnny Swim for joining us. Make sure to follow them on IG at Johnny Swim and go check out their uh, the first episode of their brand new series. And stay tuned for all the uh, amazing stuff that's coming up with Magnolia Network and their other show as well. Hey, while you're online checking stuff out, make sure to head over to relevantmagazine.com and check out our new Friday feature, Relevant Recommends. Not only will you get our pick each week, you'll you'll see a list of all the stuff we're into. While you're online checking stuff out, make sure to head over to relevantmagazine.com and check out our brand new Friday column, Relevant Recommends. It's uh, a weekly feature where we highlight uh, one of the things that we're really into that week, but we have a list of other stuff you should check out as well. It is uh, good. More of that to come, by the way. Also, we have a brand new section, Deeper Walk. It's a daily devotional series. Uh, you can get a you can get an email to you every morning, uh, first thing in the morning, if you want to start your day that way. You can also see them on our website as well, Deeper Walk, every weekday. And we have a new daily newsletter called Relevant Today. It's our top five most trending articles happening at Relevant each day. It's a great way to stay in touch and in the know with everything that we have going on. And while you're at the site, make sure to view the brand new issue of Relevant. It's the January-February issue. It features Pharrell on the cover. Some amazing content. I won't give it all away. Just go check it out right now. Hit the magazine tab at relevantmagazine.com. It's free. Share it. Read it. There you go. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. <laughs> we'll see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. He is Derek Minor. It's astonishing. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.